Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Let's get into the Word of God, the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of the living God. Uh, I want to read from three different passages. First, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, as it's called. My wife found this scripture recently and gave it to me out of the Passion Translation. It says this in chapter 2, verse 13 of Song of Songs. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs, God says, of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. I love that. God, give us the heart to see it. Genesis 1, I've been preparing for Bible school starts tonight, and I'm teaching out of this a little bit, but I want to include this part for you as well. The Bible says, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The word was there means became, not God created it that way. It fell to that. It became, it, it disintegrated into that, okay? When God creates something, it's good. But here, the Bible says, it, and, and, and the earth was or became without form, which means chaos, and void, which means empty, I don't know if there's any areas of your life that feel chaotic or empty, but God can do something about it. The earth was without form and void, and darkness, the word darkness there, means misery, wickedness, hell-like or Hades-like atmosphere. That's darkness. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. One translation says brooding. He was brooding. The word brooding means to incubate or to anticipate a hatching. Uh, a, a, a mother hen broods over her eggs. Okay? Get the picture. Mother hen broods over her eggs because she's anticipating a hatching. The Spirit of God was brooding, hovering or moving over the darkness, over the atmosphere of hell that was on the earth. And God said, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Light is illumination, revelation, and order. If you look at the Strong's Concordance, it says it's a metaphor for this word that some people don't like to hear today, but I'm going to say it anyway. Prosperity. Oh, are you one of those guys? No, I'm not, I'm not an excess guy. But I believe in the blessing of the Lord, and I sure believe Genesis 1. The Bible says that when God speaks into chaos, it brings illumination, revelation, order, and prosperity. Finally, the calling of Simon Peter 
In Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes to the lake Genesaret, and after a long night of work with zero fish, mending their nets, he defines Peter, James, John, Andrew. He finds a bunch of guys that would be his, become his disciples. In verse 3, it says, Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've been working for six months in a virus. No. He said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Would you change us by your power of your word? Would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in this church, in this city, in this community, in this region, and in this nation as it is in heaven? Open the eyes of our heart and give us light. Let there be light in us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We've been talking about the ascent. Our new theme this month is about climbing or rising up. It is about ascending. It is about rising up, climbing mountains, moving up into the spaces God created for you. You are created to walk upon the high places of the earth. That's the thought of this month. Our text from Isaiah chapter 2, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. We climb up the mountain of the Lord, the, the Lord's house, and he'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Can you know, did you know that the Bible is so practical that it affects every area of your life? Some people make it so spiritual that they can't, nobody can relate to it. But I want you to know, if you've got bills to pay, God cares about that. If you've got a job situation that's up in the air, God cares about that. If you've got a marriage that's struggling, God cares about that. If you've got ch children that are searching to find themselves or to find God or to find out their purpose for their lives, God cares about that. And in the midst of this world, you and I are called to be the head, not the tail, which I always say means the brain's not the butt, okay? We're supposed to be up, not down. Jesus arose that you and I might arise in, through, and with him to do one thing. Paul said this. He said in Philippians, if I can do nothing else, I'll do this one thing. I'm gonna forget the past. I'm gonna forget those things behind me. Not that they're not important. Not that the good, bad, and the ugly are not important behind me, but the past is not going to grip me and hold me back from the high call of God, which is available in Christ Jesus. Jesus rose so you and I might arise. When we came up in church back in the day, we were taught that the essence of the Christian life and discipline is humility. That the essence is humility. And that's true to a point, but hear me today because I want to bring a little bit of balance. Humility may not be what you think it is. I, I've, I've known people of the generation 
my generation and previous generations who, who think it's a sin to say, I'm proud of my children. Because, they, because the teaching was so much about humility that pride, you can't even use the word pride without it being something evil. And that's not what it means. Our leaders taught us that in order to stay humble, they said it was God's will for us to be in almost constant struggle, that our salvation would get us to heaven, but we were predestined to go through almost like hell on earth, that that was the lot of a Christian. The suffering was God's best for us because he's trying to teach us something. But you show me any earthly father who wants to teach their child a lesson through pain or physical abuse or putting disease on them. And I'll tell you, that's not the way that our God is a father. It's inconsistent with scripture. There are sufferings, there are challenges. Yea, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It begins with yay. There are things we suffer, there are challenges. But religious tradition would almost have us sometimes bow to the elements of the world in the thought that because the, the devil is the God of this world, little g, God of this world, that the devil controls this world. They said we could pray for God's help, but that sickness, poverty, and demonic harassment were our lot in life because the devil controls the world and our heavenly father wants to keep us in our place. Humble. After my wife and I were baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1986, God took us immediately to scriptures that seemed to say something different. And God began to show us scriptures about God being a good God. We started to read people and see people like Oral Roberts who paid a huge price because he came up with a message in the 1940s, God is a good God. Something good is gonna happen to you today. And be, oh, what's he saying? My friends, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to those who believe God. Genesis 1.26, after it says all those things about creation, it said, God said this to himself, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Romans 8 says we're conformed, being conformed to the image of God's Son. Verse 28 says, then God blessed them and God said them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. My friends, yes, that was before the fall, but that was the original assignment of mankind was to have dominion on the earth, to, to lead. And Jesus, even though Adam and Eve committed high treason against God and fell into sin, Jesus has redeemed us. We had our, a water baptism service here the other night. If you didn't get to see it, it's on Facebook Live, probably archived. And a, a gentleman that we didn't know came to be baptized in water. Name is George. One of our precious members here was out doing her job and met this guy and told that her daughter was about to be baptized he said, I want to be baptized. Our church isn't baptizing right now. 
Can they, will your church baptize me? So they called in. We, absolutely. We're not trying to... It, water baptism isn't about joining the church. It's about following Jesus in obedience into his kingdom. The more the merrier. Okay? So he came in and Pastor Chris said, you know, hey, he, he, he's a little rough. He's right out of the world. He'd been through some stuff. When he was sharing his testimony, my wife and I were at home watching live and we were in tears because he's just been through his wife committing suicide a few weeks ago. But is this guy, George, raw? Yeah. Broken? Certainly. But he lifted his hands and said, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed Lord proclaim it. Let the redeemed of the Lord declare his redemption. My friends, we've been given power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. We've been given authority over the earth. The Bible says in Psalm 115, verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is the devil's. Is that what it says? The earth belongs to the devil. Is that what it says? No, it says, this is, this is the psalmist writing, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The earth is not being run by angels and demons. The earth is not being micromanaged by God the Father. The world is being managed. The world management, the responsibility for stewardship of the planet is ours as the people of God. And we've been given power. I want to give you a new definition of humility. Humility to me is total dependence on God and continual acknowledgement of that fact. The moment you become independent or isolated, you've made yourself prideful or you've stepped into pride. Humility is total dependence on God and continual acknowledgement of that fact. It is to be yielded, thankful, glorifying God, a worshiper. Humble yourselves inside the Lord. And what's the Bible say? He'll lift you up. Humble yourself, he'll exalt you. Exalt yourself, he'll humble you. God wants to lift you to the high places. The whole world's been conditioned into living by mental power, mind over matter. But the problem is that produces more skepticism, more doubt, more fear. Because the Bible says the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Holy Spirit. They're only spiritually discerned. So I submit to you today as we move forward in this new theme, we need the miraculous power of God more than ever. We need God's miracles. If I were laying a case out for miracles for today, miracles are for today to the average believer in America today. We would talk about the fact that God did miracles in the Old Testament under the law, that Jesus did miracle after miracle as his earthly ministry demonstrated the power and presence of God. And then the New Testament church through the book of Acts, through the epistles, carried on that power and moved in miracles. Jesus walked in miracles, including healing incurable diseases. He opened blind eyes, lame people walked, deaf people heard, raised, he raised dead people back to life. Blood diseases were cured, lepers were cleansed and made whole, which were considered incurable diseases. Miracles of provision of food and resources as he fed multitudes with handfuls of food. He healed brokenhearted people, had power over nature, 
and deliverance from evil spirits, including epileptic seizures. And one of the greatest miracles, certainly the forgiveness of sins. Many people that he healed, he dealt with their sins simultaneously. He said to the paralytic man, your sins are forgiven. And the people mocked him. Who is he to say sins are forgiven? He said, well, is it easier to say sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say rise up, take up your bed and walk? And the man did just that and walked away healed and whole. If it was just the forgiveness of sins, it would still be amazing and more than we deserve. But I want to suggest to you, for those people that think that miracles are done, that miracles were for a time, can can I tell you something? There was no age of miracles. There's a God of miracles. And he's still alive. And he's still moving. And he's in this place. And he wants to fill your life. And he wants to touch your life. How could Jesus' finished work on the cross accomplish less than all those things I just listed in his earthly ministry? In other words, how could Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, accomplish more in his short earthly life and ministry than in his sacrificial death on the cross, resurrection, and ascension? How could it be less for him to hang on the cross and say, it is finished? How could those miracles go away when everything in the atonement, everything that Jesus paid the price for you and I on the cross gives us full benefit today? The Bible says it's a superior covenant that Jesus finished on the cross, stretched out, and he said it is finished. He meant that the the old covenant, the law was passed away, and now it was a new day of a new covenant that that the apostle, uh, probably Paul writes in Hebrews, we now have a better covenant with better promises. So how could there not be healing and miracles still included if it's all those times and all those places? The superior covenant must be all-inclusive, like when you go to Sandals Resort. They always advertise, we go to the Caribbean, go to Sandals, everything's included. You tip, your transfers, your ticket, your food, everything you have, it's all included. It encompasses your spirit, your soul, and your physical body, your emotions, your mind, your will. One of the most impactful stories I ever heard years ago really, really helped change my thinking because of all the impoverished believing we'd been given by the previous generation to a degree. If you believe as a young person that God wants you to suffer and wants you to be broke to glorify him, then you're going to suffer and and, and be broke to glorify him. Especially in pursuing ministry, we absolutely believe that. When we went into ministry, we believed we would be poor, we would be broke, we 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 would never maybe own a house. Remember saying that in the beginning days of Now Church, back when we were spirit life, I don't know if we'll ever own a house because, you know, We're humble. We're just your humble servants. And all of a sudden, God started blessing us after three or four years. And it's like, how did this happen? And then God started showing and teaching, sent us people like John Evanzini, began to speak into our lives and say, no, that's not God's best. Charles Neiman, 
Now their pastor friend began to say, no, that's not God's best for you. But one of the most impactful stories was a book I read by Kenneth Copeland, where he tells a story of a young Italian immigrant back in the 1920s who was desperate to come to America. And he was so desperate that he saved up all the money he could and worked three jobs to get enough money to pay for a, a ticket on board of an ocean liner to get across the Atlantic and come to New York Harbor and to come to the United States and find the American dream. And as he paid for his ticket, it took almost all of his money he'd earned over months and months and months. And all he had enough left to eat on the journey, he went and bought himself a loaf of bread and some cheese. And every day on board the ship, he would be on there and he would see all the people at the dining room feasting on, on steak and feasting on beautiful hams and I'm getting myself hungry. And, 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 he just, and he saw all this food. He would watch from the window and he'd go by himself and he would sit down and he would just, he tried to ration out how many days it would take, how many weeks it would take to get across the ocean. And he'd have a little bit of the bread, just enough to sustain himself. He was starving to death. But in a little bit of bread, a morsel of cheese every day. And he would just watch with envy as the people, those rich people inside that dining room got anything they wanted. The final day of the cruise as they saw New York Harbor, the Statue of Liberty, welcoming them to Ellis Island. The people began to get off the boat and one of the crewmates came over and managed to say between Italian and English, trying to talk to each other and communicate, sir, I hope you had a good trip. You, you, you don't look very strong. So I just have one question for you. Did we do something to offend you, to hurt your feelings? He said, no, no. Actually, he said, mamma mia. <laughs> they said to him, did we offend you? We noticed that when we were having our meal service, you never came, you always went off by yourself. And I just want to see why. And the man managed to get on his broken English, I'm so sorry, I just... I didn't have any more money once I paid for my ticket. And all I had was this bread and cheese and I managed to make it through. And the crew man, the crewmate said to the man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry nobody communicated to you. The meal service was included in the price of the ticket. You could have eaten anything you wanted it was already paid for. My friends, in the atonement of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he didn't just pay the price for you to be forgiven of your sin. If that was it, that would be enough. That would be awesome and it'd still be amazing. But so many believers around the world have been taught and conditioned to believe that the only thing included in the atonement and the atonement of the cross of Jesus was salvation so you can go to heaven when you die. Forgiveness of sin so you can one day connect to God. 
But I'm telling you, the price has been paid. The full price has been paid. And everything you have need of, and yea, even some things you want or desire that are not against the word of God are those things that he has provided for in his atoning work. Why are you living in less? Why are you eating morsels? Why are you eating crumbs and morsels of cheese when God's riches, the Bible says, that you know Jesus, that he became poor. Corinthians says, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. And that doesn't mean like mansions and gold, but it does mean this, well supplied, abundantly well supplied. Everything you need, my friend, is in the atonement. Getting through the virus is in the atonement. Financially getting through the season, in the atonement. The price was paid. You can't add anything to the price, but you can believe that the price was paid and step into it. And you and I have to begin to rise to the high places. We must be able to see God's miracles in our hearts and picture them first though. Here's the problem. Whatever we can't see, we'll never understand we can't have the benefits of. Jeremiah 1, God says to Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, I can't do that. I'm too young. Look at me. I see myself. And what did God say? Don't say you're too young. See, I'm going to put my words in your mouth and I'm going to give you authority and power. We've got to begin to do that. Listen, high places, we talked about last week, speak of images, places where they would set up images to worship idols on the mountains around each city in Israel. What's an image? It's a picture. It's a picture. It's a picture that you see. It's something. And we were created in the image of God. I just showed you out of Genesis 1, 26, we were created in the image of God. We're supposed to keep looking like him more and more. The Bible says we're being recreated to become more and more conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Instead of dissipating. Your imagination has been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't have to wander off. It'll try, but it doesn't have to wander off into all these other things. My friends, you'll never rise up or go to high places beyond your inward imprint of the Lord. Your picture of God and what he's doing. There are people who are angry with the Lord because someone told them something that wasn't true. Somebody, listen, I'll guarantee if you were raised up in any type of religious environment that wasn't Christ-centered, and even some that were, you've heard that if somebody died, God took them. That if somebody died, God, God needed another angel. And that sounds real romantic. It sounds like, oh, my friends, our, your future and my future in heaven, I, I need to do a teaching on heaven sometime. Because we're not turning into angels with wings and floating around on clouds playing harps. That sounds like the most boring existence anyway. How could heaven be perfect if, if, if it's that? It's, it's not that, okay? So God didn't need another angel. People, you know, the earth is a fallen world. 
And you can't believe for everybody else. You can believe for yourself. You can trust God for your family. But even they have their own decisions. By the end of the day, you have to stand and you have to stand on the word of God. Grab a hold of it. Fight for it. Believe the promises. And believe them especially when they look like they could never come true. I'll finish with this. In the story of the calling of Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5 that I read to you a few moments ago. Simon had fished all night and caught nothing. He was hopeless, exhausted, and discouraged. Anybody ever been there? Jesus shows up knowing he would call Simon Peter and those guys to become his disciples, right? He shows up knowing, but he didn't call them then when they were exhausted, tired, broken, frustrated, and washing their nets. No. Jesus changes the picture. He changes the scene by saying, hey, launch out into the deep. He waited for a different, more strategic moment that began with a simple word, a simple word of faith. Launch out into the deep, Simon. Simon's imprint, if Jesus would have called him right then, before he launched out on the deep, would have been winning lost people is going to be as hard as my worst night on the job. I'm going to work hard and nothing's going to happen. Launch out of the deep, Jesus said, which means push back from your comfort zone. Move forward. Jesus told him to throw his nets on the right side of the boat. An incredible catch followed. Probably more fish than Peter, James, and John had ever seen before in their entire lives. Probably more than they'd caught in weeks, months, or years in one thing. Two boats were beginning to sink because of the catch of fish. Then Jesus said... When Peter sees it, by the way, he responds knowing it's the glory of God. He knew it was something good God had done because it was a miracle. Are you hearing me? God God cares about your job. You salespeople, you managers, God cares about your sales and your commissions and your customers and your word of mouth. He cares about that. And he wants to partner with you in it. Not trying to make you suffer. He's trying to bless your work if you do it his way and with his help. It was at that moment when Peter sees two boatloads of fish that he says, he falls down, the Bible says, and says, you need to leave for me because you're a holy man and I'm a sinner. Every time you embrace or experience the true holiness of God in a moment, you will see your own sin first, but you won't have to stay there because Jesus looks at Peter and says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men like that, like you just saw, like you just saw two boatloads of fish. That's the kind of fisherman I'm gonna make you. We need to change our imprint We need to change our inward picture. God cares about it. Jesus knows about it. We have to have a miracle mentality. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that's working in us. That's what the Bible says. And these signs shall follow them that believe. You have to see it first. 
Just because we, have, we all have ups and downs, and we do, doesn't mean that weakness, sickness, disease, fear, poverty, emotional wreckage is God's best for your life. Do you know how the suicide rate has expanded and grown in the past six months under the COVID crisis? The suicide crisis is, is as bad or worse than the pandemic itself. And nobody's talking about it, or not many. My friends, believing is not just intellectual acknowledgement. It's a heart vision and experience. It's seeing inside Everything that Jesus took on himself on the cross has been crucified, dead, and buried. The devil has no more legal right to keep you down from your high places. Are you awake? Are you hearing me today? The question is, are you willing to enforce Jesus' victory? Are you willing to fight the good fight of faith? Are you willing to lay hold on eternal life? Because the Bible says... Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The word saved is sozo, S-O-Z-O. In the Greek, it means to be set free. Spirit, soul, and body. It's a complete salvation. It's not a cheap salvation. It cost God everything. But the price has been paid, and it's an all-inclusive trip. Everything you need has been covered through the blood of Jesus. I'll finish with this. The Holy Spirit is hovering. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Bow your heads. Whether you're in this room or you're connecting with us online, the Holy Spirit is hovering right now over your chaos, over your emptiness, trying to get your attention. And just as in Genesis 1, as the, as the Spirit of God was brooding, hovering, anticipating the hatching of new life, the Holy Spirit right now is hovering in this place. In Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit was waiting for something and he's still waiting for that same thing. He's waiting for the word. One word. One spark. From your lips of God's promises. Light. Come. Light. Flood our hearts and minds. Let there be illumination. Let there be revelation. Holy Spirit, would you move and open the eyes of our hearts that we can see and picture and behold like you showed Simon who became Peter. You showed James and John and Andrew on that day that you're a God of overflow, a God of abundance, a God who can do anything, a God who cares about the practical things of our lives, even our finances, even our jobs, even our marriages, even our children, our homes, where we live, what we eat, what we drive. You care about all those things. Father God, let us not hold you back from those areas because of bad teaching, but let us embrace the fullness of the word of the Lord. 
the scriptures of God. Today, we release the power of the Holy Spirit with that one spark, one word. Lift up your voice to the agreement with the Lord and he'll move into action. God wants to set things right. What area of your life is stuck in chaos? What area of your life is empty and void? What area of your life are you going through hell? That's not God's best for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every demonic spirit. We take authority over every abusive thought. We break in the name of Jesus. We break down every wall of resistance and we release the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring hope, to bring you whatever you need that Jesus paid the price for. We proclaim and I speak over you as as a man of God, I speak blessing over you and I say, you do not have to go down to defeat to the devil or darkness ever again, not for an hour, not for a minute, not for a second, because Jesus paid the price. Would you align yourself with his blood, his word, his promise? Let every heart believe and let every mouth confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over every area of your struggle. He can do anything. Would you forget what's behind and reach forward, reach ahead toward the high calling of God in Christ? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're connecting with us online. I'm going to give you this moment of invitation to say to you that there are moments where God is moving you, where he's speaking to your heart, where you have to actually get up and do something. You have to actually do something by faith. You have to take a step of faith. Sometimes it's a literal step. Sometimes it's a hand being raised. Sometimes it's walking forward. Sometimes it's telling another person that Jesus is the Lord of your life. But whatever it is, you and I have to get to that place where we make bold steps in faith. If you're here today or you're connecting online, I invite you to pray this prayer, to invite Jesus into your heart, to open yourself up to him, to surrender the direction of your life and give yourself fully to him right now. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. Just pray this out loud with me. Everyone who means it and everyone who's already prayed it, pray this with me. Just say, Jesus. Just say it boldly. Jesus. I receive salvation, healing, deliverance, abundant life. I receive by faith everything that you purchased for me on the cross at Calvary. You were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. The punishment for my peace was upon you and by your stripes I am healed.
and I am whole and I give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you meant that, would you put your hands together and just honor God right now? Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.